This episode of Inside Running is proudly sponsored by Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. Episode number 280 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Big show coming at you this week. Sydney Track Classic happened. We had an Australian record there to talk about. Nagoya Marathon happened. A bit of uh, state stuff, I suppose. The Box Hill Classic and the Queensland State Championships. Big listener question coming up. Thanks to the Sydney Marathon and Moose on the Loose. We'll hit all the main segments, as we usually do on this podcast. Welcome to my co-host, Bradley Croker. Still a bit under the weather up in Canberra. How are you? I've uh, been better, Brady. I've had a pretty shit like week. And uh, yeah, it was a long weekend here, but um, <clears throat> been like just crook most of it. Like nothing, nothing serious, but just not feeling very good. So... Uh, yeah, that's me. Always tell when you're not feeling good by the pace of your runs. When you start seeing those 425s, 430s pop up, you know something's not going well. <laughs> Being sensible. My other co-host is back on Australian soil. I think he just got backed into the country yesterday. Julian Spence, welcome back to Australia. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast. Thanks, mate. Good to be back. Straight into some croaks complaining. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I've learnt from the best, Moose. Had <laughs> a masterclass oh, the last two weeks. Weekend. As soon as I heard not a good week, I'm like, you get fucked. You've got no idea what a bad week is. Uh, all right, mate. Go on. Tell us Tell us a 30, 30 minutes of story. Off you go. You're back, Moose. You're in Anglesey. You're, you're oh, being yeah. a bit here and everywhere. Hotels, all the, uh, all the incidents and, and all the, like, the, the rough holiday from hell has been forgotten about because I got into bed last night at well, like 1am or something and uh, said to Brian I'm like oh it wasn't that bad was it <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking bad though uh, anyway I'm back back in Anglesey that routine training camp day one yeah so you were meant to be back Friday but then missed no cancelled flight and then stop over missed and then, yeah, you finally got home. Yeah, so we check, like, we, the flight was originally for, uh, I think it was uh, 9 p.m. So we were check out of our hotel and all that, leave the luggage, have a day in the city, and then um, go to get our bags and get the bags, get on the train out to the airport. Or we were, li- we were walking into the lift and we get a text saying your flight's cancelled uh, tomorrow's the... Um, the, the, the like the rescheduled flight and this was after it had already been cancelled from from a midday flight to a to a 9pm flight so we changed all this then we um yeah so we get off the train 
and it's 7 p.m. at night on a Saturday night and we go scraping trying to find a bed. Uh, one, the only one we could kind of find was in a is was a hotel that the, some of the stuff wasn't working in the room because they were booked out and it was the tiniest little Japanese room ever. So we went in there for the, the evening and and it was all right. By this stage, we were like, fuck it, we can do anything. Like, it's it's fine. It can't get much worse. But, yeah, we just we, we, we got on that flight. It was delayed again. But we got back to Cairns, getting to Cairns at 11.30 at night, and I'm thinking, this will be all right because no other planes would be here at this time of night. However, there were other planes, and they were on a skeleton crew, and they quarantined and customs and bag collection and taxis at Cairns Airport at midnight is not the best setup in the world. And it took, in the end, we got to bed about 3 or 3.30 in the morning. Um, so I had to, had to try to deal with an 18-month-year-old on this kind of fucked-up sleep schedule. With it. Oh, and then while we were on the plane back, they said, oh, the aircon's not working, so we're going to have to fly a different route home. So we have to stay close to our airports in case we have to land. And so it went from being a seven-hour flight to a nine-hour flight, which is like seven hours is a stretch for traveling with a baby like that. Nine hours is, okay, let's strap in. This is going to be the hardest nine hours of your life. Uh, but she was a trooper. She got there. Weren't so you in anyway, first class anyway? No, I was in business. Bree was in the back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went back and saw him a few times. Like, <laughs> uh, and Jetstar, fuck, they are a nightmare, right? They don't give a shit. So this, as we were coming into land, I suddenly got all this water started gushing on me from above. Something was leaking in the plane and it was, it must, I don't know whether it was the air con that yeah. was broken or whatever, but I just started getting covered in water. And this is as we're coming into land, so they tricked, trying to put me in a different seat, but I'm saturated. They, they pretend like it didn't happen. They're like, oh, here's some serviettes, you'll be fine. I'm like, fuck, I'm not, I didn't pay for the, the business class seat, Mizuno did. But if I'd paid business and got saturated and just got handed napkins and said, look after yourself, I would be pissed. Um, anyway, anyway, we got to Cairns, uh, got booked on another flight later that day at three o'clock. Uh, then we ended up getting back to Melbourne Airport, all smooth there, got out, got back to my car, which was being parked there in Terminal 4 car park, flat tyre. <laughs> <laughs> Call RACV, oh, yeah, you don't have roadside assist. The, the direct debit stopped coming out six months ago. I'm like, you didn't tell me about that? Oh, I'm sure we did. I'm like, okay, whatever. How can I fix this? So I ended up getting the roadside. We get we got roadside assist in the end, and um, I'm thinking at the time, oh, I could probably have a crack at doing this, but all the tools are in behind the car seat, and I didn't want to get the car seat out. So the bloke gets there. RACV have a tracking app, so they send like a map, satellite map, um, and it shows you where they're at. So it took about I think it was about 45 minutes. Gets to the airport, drives into the wrong car park, and we can just see his fucking gps signal or like the little icon in the wrong car park but there's no way of contacting them because they don't give their phone number so we're just sitting there waiting for him to call us eventually he does and he's like oh wrong car park yep 
get in the other car park. So that was another like 25, 30 minutes of fucking around. In the end, it took him age. Like he, he struggled to change the um, the tire because we got this weird system. So I'm lucky I didn't have a crack because I would have had no chance. Got in at 1 a.m. last night. Happy days. Happy, happy days. I'm a changed man. Yeah, that's a shit. That's a shit story. I uh, gave you a bit of grief last week on Strava and that moose, but I would be, um, oh, I'd be a nightmare if, if I was travelling with Viv like that. So you yeah. got 117 likes, Croaks. Oh, You've destroyed yeah. it again in the comments. Moose's reply: 12 likes. That is the best thing that's ever going to happen to Croaks. Like that's now the highlight of his life. <laughs> He's no, got a few now had, though. No, I had more on the other one, Moose. So that was the highlight. This comes <laughs> in about third. <laughs> Everyone loves a bit of banter i stay off it for you like i could, I could destroy you every day but i don't uh, yeah. anyway well played couldn't really couldn't really say much because what am i going to do complain more yeah. <laughs> but no it's it was i felt i feel like without pia there i would have been so much worse but because she's there it's not like you can lose the plot you kind of got to hold it together because like if you lose the plot she'll she will get all upset and scared. So, <sighs> learning be, from this. To be fair, though, Bree has more reason to complain than you. Like, yes. she's the one that had to spend nine hours in cattle class while you're up the front getting a nice little shower. Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't send her a pic of the champagne they delivered me when I sat down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Bree was a champion. Pia was a champion. It, it actually. It's been like the first two weeks that I've spent probably every day with with Pia because I go to work a lot, well, all the time. And so to have two weeks like full time, it was it was good, but it was also a bit of an eye opener. I'd be like, there is no off switch here. This is just like all day, all day you've got to be alert and um, you've got to be up and about basically. You can't just sit there. You kind of have to engage, so it's pretty tiring stuff. Yeah, it's harder than going to work. It is harder than going to work. I'll pay that. Do it with two. That's that's hard. I do you, do uh, Carly does two days with two of our kids. I only have one day with one kid. Oh yeah, that's not too bad. That's a that's actually a bit of a chop out, I reckon. Yeah, one's easy when you've gone from having two. But you're you fucking school teacher. You got thirty of them in a classroom. Twenty six. But yeah, no, toddlers that, are hard though. When they're when they're independent and can like walk and eat and yeah, they don't wear nappies and stuff. It's completely different. But so that's harder than when they wear nappies. Going to school with twenty six, nine, and ten year olds is easier than staying home with a one and three year old, in mm. my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely harder at eighteen months than she was at six months. That's for mm. sure. Yeah. It all depends yep. on your situation and what you like doing, though, I suppose. It's all families are different for everyone. Um, you did do some running, though. I did a bit. I think I got like 45K or something, maybe. Oh, or maybe more than you that. You got your 80. 80? Yeah. 81K, maybe yeah. Maybe it was 45. Yeah, I, I haven't been looking, but I just I did um, a Monday run. So I left the, the hotel. This is the one I got lost on that I was back a bit late for. So I did this run thought i was going i thought i was running south but i was running west found a little half park which was still concrete but they were playing baseball in there so i i just ran around it for a little bit 
And then lucky I had my phone because I would have had no idea how to get back to where I needed to go. Uh, it was just 40 minutes. I did a little workout the next day. So this, um, this park called Nagai Park, I, I'd seen on the Strava hotspots, this was like one of the, probably the most popular place outside Osaka Castle to do, well, to run. Um, so I, I, I ran down there. Oh, this was the one I was late for, I think, actually. Uh, I ran down there and then I did a little workout. So the idea was I didn't, I didn't want to do a proper workout. I just wanted to see where the legs were at. So I did 15-minute progressive. Uh, the, the loop, it's like a road loop that's close to traffic. So I think Central Park or um, the Tear Garden type area kind of in Berlin. Or if you've been, or you know your your Yogi Park in Tokyo, have you guys run there? Nah, I've just I run around no. the Imperial Palace there. Oh yeah, there's yeah. two tracks in the middle of this thing though. I'm just looking yeah. at the, the photo. But no, the, yeah, so there's like a full massive athletic stadium mm. with full grandstands and everything, a massive um, like big screen, big screen, and then there's the, some soccer stadium that must be where a professional team play because it's pretty big uh, so that's like a full-on like Cardinia Park style but the the running loop is it's about 2.9 something maybe inside it's actually a pretty nice road to run on if you're doing workouts there's not many people on it and uh, it's pretty really good surface and it's marked every so there's a start point and they obviously have a marathon in there because they mark every kilometre. So you run around, you're seeing all these random numbers on the ground, but they do um, link up to if you run a marathon in there. But it doesn't – but no one start, seems to start from the, the line, so you, you kind of don't know. But, yeah, the, the workout uh, ran 335s, 324s, and 304s. So I didn't have any um, – I didn't have any heart rate. I didn't even have pace on, actually. I was just running to feel, and so I found out afterwards what it was, and that sort of made sense. And maybe I would have thought the second five minutes was a bit faster, but it, it was towards the end. It was a bit, it was kind of hard. I I actually listened to music during this workout, and I've never really done that before, and it 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 inhibits a little bit of perception of how you're going. I think, like you can't really hear your own breathing. And, and I've, I reckon if you're doing hard workouts, like hard hill reps or, or track repeats that are um, at 1,500 or 3K pace, you would actually benefit from having music on. I'm not sure it was great for a threshold-style workout because I reckon I was working a bit hard by the end. Do you guys ever listen to music while you do a workout? No, I get too distracted, zone off. Like, yeah, don't concentrate enough on what pace I'm going. I don't like I listen to music on easy runs. I did once do when I wasn't going real well a um Spotify fartlek. So like one song on, one song off. Oh, cool. Um yeah, just just to mix it up, just to get myself out the door, but I hated it because you know, sessions get hard as it is and then you have a shit song on or something like that and you just get like grumpy and distracted and yeah, so I yeah, I don't run to music for sessions that's for sure yeah yeah i i think you would get distracted by it if, if it was a key workout you would 
but if it was if it's just something that, to get through then it was it was actually quite enjoyable did you take shoes moose to change into no nah, i just jogged down there in them so i jogged okay. down in the rebellions and then i jogged i did the workout and jogged back so that yeah i um yeah, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of that jogging through the city with the super shoes on. <laughs> had the had the because I wasn't because I thought I would finish this marathon and take a bit of a break. I wasn't expecting to run so much, so I was getting a bit of race kit, getting around in the race kit for this workout. Um, so that yeah, that felt pretty good actually. Just roll around. There was no real good runners here though. I think they almost go in on the track. But so, whatever. So the calves aren't like that was the calf issues in the marathon is like all gone. It's all good. Yeah. Oh, Jumping straight yeah, back yeah, into training. Much. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit oh, of a tester. It was. Yeah, it was a tester for sure. And it felt fine. So I didn't, I felt like I was moving pretty well actually. I didn't feel like I was beat. I didn't, my quads were okay. And so yeah, I was happy with that. And it's been a while. It's about 10 days, nine days or something. Um, and I haven't been running that much because it's just hard to get motivated like when you're running loops or through cities because the next the next day I, I got out and i did a bit of dirt i found like this little dirt path um on the outside so that was 10k or so uh had to go to a bathroom squat toilet fellas this is new this is new real unpleasant as well if you can imagine like what a squat toilet is it's exactly how it sounds in the uh you gotta you gotta squat real low get your ass as close to the the toilet as you can the toilet good, is not a strength session yeah oh i am the least flexible it's basically i gotta stand there and just shit <laughs> oh, there's not much squatting going on it was awful stuff and it's i don't know how people do it i guess it's just how you brought up but that was awful, awful. Like one of the worst experiences of my life. Uh, but yeah, got 10K in. Next day, did a workout. Did um, So this was a good one, actually. Three by eight. I had in my head, I'm doing three by eight minutes. Did it to, e- did it to effort. So again, I, I need to get my heart rate going again. But I, like I, the heart rate monitor, I left it at home. So I thought I'll run to effort. Uh, so I was doing three by eight minutes with 90 seconds standing or shuffling type in between. So the first one was smack on 320s. Second one was 314s. And then on the third one was 312s. And after that, I thought, okay, the workout will end on my watch because I had it pre-programmed. And I'll um, do 15-second efforts to get back to where my stuff was. But then I looked down and my watch auto lapped at 90 after 90 second rest and it said four by like fourth lap four run for eight minutes. I'm like, oh fuck, I didn't really want to do this, but I decided to do it anyway. I thought it's actually quite good mental training to be forced to do something that you weren't mentally prepared for, like to, to get thrown a bit of a, a bit of adversity in the workout because I reckon a month ago, if I got thrown that, I'd just go, no, nah, no, nah, fuck that. I don't want to do that. And I would just stop. But I reckon I need to be challenged more in training, not just from a pace perspective, but I need to do more solo stuff. And I, I need to get back to what I was doing three or four years ago 
And one of the things was solo training. And one of another thing was having adversity. So in Ballarat, often you were doing workouts with like the worst weather ever. And that was proper adversity or you were doing them over hills or whatever. Um, I just I, like being on the track all the time. It, it, it feels like it's just quite set up to run fast. Um, whereas this, I know it was, I mean, it's not hard. It's eight more minutes of running, but eight more minute rep at the end of the session for me felt like oh, a challenge to get through. So I was happy that I did it. And it was the fastest rep I did three tens. Um, so that was a that was a good workout for me. I felt happy about that because it didn't feel like I was pushing it too much. Next day, just ran eleven and a half k on dirt, and then we got um, yeah seven k in around the city before we left. And then in Cairns, I um, woke up. Fuck, it's hot in Cairns, boys. Jesus, I don't know what this says on Strava, but it was like you get off the. Oh, 80% humidity, 28 degrees. It feels like you're in a sauna. You just get out and it is steaming. And because we got in at 3 o'clock or, or went to, to sleep about 3 o'clock, we woke up a bit later. And so I'm out there at 10 a.m. Just a bad idea. Well, not a bad idea, but just not that pleasant again. So 30 minutes along the Esplanade. And then the, the Nagoya Marathon was on. And I didn't want to miss it, so I was watching it on my phone as I ran. And then I got into and, and did a treadmill run back at the gym. So I tried to get half an hour, but the treadmill was a piece of shit. It kept cutting out on me. So I would get like five minutes, and then it would cut out totally. It would like short the PowerPoint. And so I'd have to get off, turn the treadmill on and off, and wait for it to reboot. So I, could only, I only tolerated 22 minutes of that. So that's it. That was my week. Good way. You're, you're still fit. Mm. I thought that marathon may have caused you a few issues and maybe a month to kind of get back rolling again, but the workouts were good. Goes to yeah. show, though, dif- different fit. Like, you know, that those sessions indicate, yeah, you probably run pretty well over 5 and 10K, but we know that you can't run marathons off those sessions. Yeah, and I, I remember, well, you guys talked about it on your um... – what do you call that series with Chris? The monthly. The monthly. Yeah. bit loose on that one this week, this month. I don't know like, years um, when we started recording that one. Yeah, yeah. I like Toby getting in about bringing a pacer and then just dropping the anchor once they step off. He wasn't happy uh, with those boys at Box Hill. Uh, no, well, you made a good point too. You said the same thing. Yeah, that was gutsy. I loved what him and, and Matt, the Mad Snake Buckle did. Yeah, but he was right. It doesn't make sense to do that. I didn't even really think about it at the time. I'm like, why, why actually would you do that? Mm. Um, but anyway, we're off on a tangent. Yeah, why are um, we talking about that? Oh, I was going to say, like, I was in good shape to start preparing for a marathon. Yeah. Mm. But I wasn't in shape to run a marathon. That is, and, and that's, I was thinking that on my run, I need to get back to that point. So that listening then, question last uh, week. Like you were doing, you could drop down and run a good five or a good half or a good ten, anywhere else in between. But probably not a marathon. Marathon, different ball game, different mm. sport nearly. It's it's it the most different. It's probably that and like the 400. They're the, they're the outliers, right? Everything else in the – maybe the 800. But everything in the middle you can kind of get away with. But they're the ones that need specific training. I reckon you can run a decent eight off that kind of work too. You're doing strides once a week. 
it, it, it wouldn't be it. great, <laughs> but it, you could get through it. I nearly sure. broke two last year, remember? Ran two flat. Yeah, actually, that's true. So where to from here, Moose? Now that yeah, you're what back. Have you got? Do oh, run for the kids so Sunday? Cross, no, no, I'm not. Charles Park. Cross country, yeah. So Six I'm going to do cross country and then hit up the uh, hit up the, the Berlin block. So more just getting ready for that block. It's a, I'm going to eye on it 10 weeks out, 12 weeks, and that's what I'm going to aim for. So I want to be five days Berlin. People are counting down. Yeah, so what's... Uh, Christian's what's counting like, down. Toby's counting down. So it's about 100 days before you'd start your block. <laughs> yeah. It's a while, isn't it? Probably even more. 10 weeks is only 70 days. You've got, you got 125 days until you start the block. Okay. Well, better fill it with some running. Better fill it. That's a good week. Krogs, tell us about your week. Sickness. Mm, yeah, so Monday I took the day off because I just felt the back end of last week. I just felt a bit flat, and I wasn't sure whether it was just all of the you know the last few weeks catching up with me because I definitely felt like I turned a corner from a fitness point of view, but just felt really flat on the Saturday afternoon run, and then you know not amazing on the Sunday. So I went to work on Monday, but I'm like you know I was going to take a day off because I, I think I was trying to get five weeks without a day off. Um, but I wouldn't say I was sick. And then I went to work on Tuesday and once again, just felt really flat. And I thought, oh, I'll go out to meet the group for a session and I'll just see how I feel. And I started warming up and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not ready. For, I, I can't, I shouldn't do a session. So, um, did the warm up with them and then just ran a few extra laps while they were doing their session. So I did 11 and a half K at 429s. And then I thought, got home and we recorded the podcast. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, yeah, smart decision not doing the session because I feel actually pretty good today. So I went out and did 90 minutes, listened to Road to London. Um, so I did 20.6K at 4.22s and then spent the rest of the day like with Lily and didn't feel sick at all. And then went back to work Thursday, went out that afternoon for 45 minutes, 4.26s, and I'm like, uh, this run doesn't feel very good. Like, And then I got home and then started to get this like sore throat and – like congested head and had like a really shit sleep. Like I wasn't, it wasn't a full on fever, but it was just that one where I couldn't work out whether I was hot or I was cold. And I, and I'd still planned to meet the group on the Friday morning for a session, um, which was going to be a progression run. And I thought I'll, I'll, I'll rock up and I'll just, you know, run with some of the, the slower guys. And, you know, plus I'd organized, I was going to pace during our cool down. I was going to pace a guy that wanted to run close to 20 minutes for 5k. So I was going to run like a 20 minute 5k as a cool down and pace him but i got to like just after midnight and I, I wasn't sleeping and i was just like uh it'd be stupid getting up at 5 30 to go and do this session so i messaged the group saying uh no good won't be there so i took friday off felt garbage uh took saturday off still didn't feel great um sore throat went but then it was just like congested runny nose that sort of thing and then I went out yesterday afternoon, oh no, yesterday morning actually, did 47 minutes at 4.30s. Uh, yeah, like wasn't great, but what, like I'm not like not sick enough that I don't think I can run, but I know that I'm not, you know, firing on all cylinders. So uh, yeah, and then even today, because it was a public holiday here, I was sort of um and ahhing all day. Like I went to run this morning, jumped in the car and the, um, the battery was dead. So NRMA, roadside assistance came and changed that so then i was um and all day whether i'd actually go for a run this afternoon i did and i, I felt okay but uh 
yeah, it's just frustrating. So it was a week of 52K, and, like, I was probably due for an easy week, but it's not sort of the easy week that I wanted. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like my momentum sort of fucking gone. Like, and that's – like, I get a lot of confidence from just stringing, like, a really big block of training together. And then when I have something like this, I feel – although I haven't lost – I'm not going back to where I was in January. It just, yeah, it's just not good for the confidence. Um, and especially because my motivation is actually pretty high at the moment. Um, just listening to, uh, like, listening to the monthly and, like, you know, hearing Toby, like, how, like, disciplined he is with what he does and sort of made me regret, like, in the past. Like, I've, yeah, I've obviously focused on running a lot over 20 years, but I don't think I've ever been that dedicated to do <laughs> – that many one percenters that he does um and i'm not saying that i'd ever get back to that but a part of me is like oh should i just give it one last sort of crack like having another go of you know trying to get my mileage up there training sensibly um, and just seeing whether i can like get back under 220 again um, especially now when you see people like sinead and lisa um because as i was approaching 40 i was sort of like oh yeah well you know no one runs that well once they turn 40 but yeah they've all proven that you can so um, yeah, so motivation's high, but my body's just uh, body's good actually. Like that's that's probably why my motivation's high because I haven't felt this good for a couple of years in terms of yeah. You know, last year was pretty good from a movement point of view, so body's good, but um, yeah, just keep having these like sicknesses that come up every couple of months, which is hard to get that sort of consistency. So it's just it's one week. That I know it's one week. I know it's one week. week. That week yeah, of recap like, was great. Strong over the hill, stringing it together, like. You're not going to lose fitness off seven, no. ten days. Don't let it get in your head. You're no, in a good no, spot. Like, You're skipping um, along that long run at Buddy Bathurst three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Like that was that after that week. Like that, I had a lot of confidence coming off. You know, felt good training with Moose. Moose yeah. Felt good on that long run. And then the Friday session, the following Friday we had here in Canberra was good as well. Yeah. So like I know I've come a long way since January. Um, but you know what it's like when you. Yeah, that's the way we're you, wired. You, we focus you have on your the momentum. Negatives you have your momentum halted and you're like, oh, I've got to sort of get going again now. Yeah, so. you'll be right though. You string two yeah. or three days together off this sickness, you'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, what, a question for you. What's your uh, what's your criteria of whether you go out and run or not when you're borderline? Like obviously if you've got massive fever, can't get out of bed, like that's easy. You're not going to go for a run. What's the criteria where you're not sick? Like you could still go to work but you know you're not feeling great. Uh, if, if it's going to if it's gonna get me sicker, like if I feel like it's going to be detrimental to my health, then I will not run. If, if I feel like the sickness is not going to get worse if I go out and jog, then I'll go out for a jog. Yeah. And yeah. it'd be easy. There's no way to even consider doing oh, work at all long run, even a medium long, long run. It's almost like can you jump through the hoop of 30 minutes? And then the uh, next, 30 minutes is max. Yeah, exactly. and then if you feel good the next day, it's like, all right, we'll go for 45, then maybe 60, and then it's like reassess where you're at then. Mm, yeah. Hey, um, what I've been doing. I still think people get caught up on these these short layoffs, though, and I see it in coaching all the time. People lose confidence, and it's like, let's look at the last seven days. It's not great, but let's look at the last three months. It's amazing. Like, let's focus yeah. on the bigger picture. My last three months hasn't been amazing, though, well, Brady. from mid-Jan through to March. I'm look, looking at your Strava now. It's not that many weeks though. When you can, yeah, the last at... five years have been pretty consistent. Like it's, mm. you still got that minimum base. You're still a smooth mover. Mm. I think you're, yeah. I think sometimes we've got to look at the bigger picture, not just the most recent things. Yeah. 
True, but also thinking, um, Moose, we need to... Have you still got those notes about um, you wrote down after Ellie's World Cross run? Yeah, they're, Cause, they're, yeah. Because yeah, I think it will be worth us in the next week sitting down and just going through that because I feel like we're almost, you and me are in a similar position where, like, we've been in the wilderness for a couple of years now and we're not the runners that we were a couple of years ago and we're coming back. Like, we're not coming back from having a baby but I reckon there's a lot of things that you wrote down that are relevant to Ellie that yeah. would also be relevant to us. For sure. And I was even thinking, why don't we just get Ellie on? Because she, she, she we'll do it all together because she can provide more insight than, than I can. Yeah. And it's better off having her explain it because she's the one who did it. So yep. well, let's organise a night where we do that. All right. Cool. Sounds but good. If, if anyone wants to take a slab... I will bet. I will bet a box that Croaks runs under two twenty again. Ooh, that, and geez, that's, that's kind. It's not. I'm not trying mm. to be kind. I'm trying to get beer from people because I, like, I wouldn't bet that just to be nice to you. I'm tempted. Brady's, to, Brady's I'm, taking it. I'm tempted to take it, not because I don't believe in his athletic ability to do it. I think the big question is, will he get on the start line? Because unless take he's it. in two eighteen shape, he probably won't get on. Do you know I what I mean? Take, I think he's, I'd take it to. I'd, I'd jump on the start line if I could go under two twenty. What happened to the, the philosophy of though? Like, if I don't break my PB, I'm not racing. That's yeah, what well, concerns me in this. Well, bit. I've been thinking about that, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get fifteen years down the track and regret, you know, sitting on the sidelines when I still had some decent years oh, left in me. Yeah, go back and listen to me fifty episodes ago. I reckon <laughs> I was saying that exact thing. Uh, oh, you're going to take that? No, no I, I, you know I'm a big fan of you, like the way you move, your natural talent, like you don't need a lot of training. I think you've got a lot of um, ability and I want to see more of it in action. So, no, I'm not going to take it. Don't take it. Okay. Someone, a lot of people will, though, Moose. How are you well, going to do it, Moose? Start yeah, a website. The will be running hot in the next week. No, no, I won't be paying out because the, the thing is, <laughs> when does it end? There's no time frame on this. You yeah. need to take it just with someone who's associated with the podcast. So, like, if Ali, Sinead, Nick Earl, um, yeah. Zaka, yeah. maybe a Christian or Toby, maybe any of those six or seven want it, we can say they've taken it. Reckon Toby will jump on it. He's, got, <laughs> he's, never, look, see, he's never seen you fit before. <laughs> mo- motivation is definitely, like, high. Like, I pr- probably enjoy my running the most I have in the last – like three or four years and a lot of it comes down to meeting the group now twice a week and even Sundays we've got like got a long run group happening now so um yeah keen to get back on the horse once I get over this uh sickness did you get a bib for Berlin September Me? yeah no I haven't no no all right so that's I another thing he's got to find than... a good race and get into one yeah doesn't, maybe like... Like, doesn't like traveling Seville next year maybe oh yeah mm. potentially okay. Getting into like, those ones are hard, though, because so many people are good that run them. Yeah. Like, I need to string together. What what, what I'm missing is a good, you know, four or five-month block of just getting strong again. Um, yeah. So that's that's the goal over winter. That's the goal. I'll go through my week. Had a good one. Hit some mileage this week. Um, third didn't start really well, though, because Hudson had a shocking sleep Sunday night. I think I was in his bed at about 2 a.m., um, and then, yeah, slept in a bit longer. Just did my 30 minutes in the morning. At What's four. the matter with him? Was he sick? Uh, yeah, he's been sick. He kind of got that stuff that Croaks is kind of talking about. Like, it's not really bad, but just hangs around for ages. Like a bit of a chesty cough, like a bit flat. Um, lack of appetite, Croaks, you got that? 
A little bit, yeah. yeah. Runny nose. Runny nose as well, yep. Same kind of thing. Like, he can still function, but he just kind of was low on energy and then just, yeah, wakes up coughing in the night. So I think I was in there at midnight and then then I went back to our bed and then he woke up again at 2, so I just stayed in there with him to get him through to about, yeah, 6 a.m. Um, so I just did 30 minutes at 4.37, so then I did 70 minutes after work at 4.31s. Usually I like to do that the other way around, but it was, wasn't too bad. Listen to the um, Science of Sport podcast with Ross Tucker. Really good episode. Talked about like, transgender, transgender like athletes in sport. Uh, they talked about the Pete Bowl EPO tests. Jonathan Marcus, your mate Moose, who you talk about a bit on this show. They talked about they talked his, about him. They talked about his tweets and stuff and how um, he spoke about Yara Nagus and his technique. Like if that would be potentially because uh, he kind of he didn't he kind of said it, but he didn't say it, didn't he? Like that he accused him of wouldn't have been able to run that fast unless he had performance enhancing mm-hmm. drugs. So they well, kind of spoke about that. Yeah. And then they also spoke, like, the main episode was about barefoot running and the benefits of that and actually the science behind it. So I enjoyed that. Made 70 minutes go super quick on the Tuesday morning. I Can you give us a quick, can you give us a quick little summary of the Peter Bowl chat? Yeah, very much without the Australian lens on. And they kind of made jokes of a couple of, like, articles that were written, how they'd kind of taken his side. And then they kind of made that that Kenyan-Russian point that we've made on this show as well about if it was a different athlete from a different country. And then they just spoke about the the test and, um, yeah, that atypical test and then why they were testing him so often after that. And then they kind of made the point, Ross Tucker did, that now they can't they can't ban him because they haven't got the, the evidence to ban him, but at the same time they've still got evidence that he's failed a drug test, but they need that next bit of evidence. And they, and they used an example in, it was a sprinter, I think, that's happened to before. Can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they like it's happened before, that they hadn't been able to like pin the second test on the on the athlete so they could um, still compete. But it was good to see different people who don't have that Australian connection to him um, speak about it. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend listening to that because I pretty much just murdered that summary there. But um, that's generally mm-hmm. what I do on this show. Tuesday got out for a twelve k tempo, so I'm just following my program from exactly this time last year because I was happy with how I ran, like the shorter distances. I guess like not so much the marathon at the end of the year, but the five, the tens, the the fifteen k's, the half, and I ran a twelve k tempo on this same week last year, three twenty pace. So I had that on my program for this one. The idea was to go a bit further, but go a bit slower than I usually have been on a Tuesday for my threshold work. Um, I got out a bit quick. I, I think the first K was like 3.11. And I remember looking down and being like, this is quicker than what I've been doing threshold work at. But it felt kind of really good. And then the whole workout, like I slowed down a bit, but every time I looked at my watch, I kind of just had to put the, the brakes on because I was kind of going a bit too fast. And I probably think it's off the back of no running over the weekend. So I had that boys weekend last weekend. So I think I was relatively fresh and the pace just came a bit easier compared to a usual Tuesday morning when I've got a you know a two hour plus long run, probably still in my legs from 48 hours before. So I averaged 316 to 12K. Um, yeah, it felt good. And then like I got average the year before. 320s. But I don't want to get in that trap of like going quicker. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask Moose, what do you think about just copying what you did the same week last year? With the context <laughs> that I ran Melbourne Marathon on the same weekend as I ran Valencia Marathon in December. 
And it can be dangerous, though. Can be to compare. Trying to just chase, yeah, what yep. you were doing. But um, at the same time, you've got a blueprint. Mm. You're just like, this got me to, you know, 1825 at Jails Park in April. One trap yeah, I did have is... You're a diff, you're a different. You're a different runner. Things are different now. You've learnt things. You, surely you've got to take on board what you've learnt. For marathon stuff, you mean? Well, yeah, throughout the last year of running, you've, you've surely learnt things about yourself and about training. And Yeah, well, the thing I implemented this time last year was at 1.45 on the midweek. So I think this time last year I interviewed Rab. So mm. I haven't quite put that in yet because I don't want to get up that early. But um, I think that's the next thing that needs to go in. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I want to get into the gym. I've got to get in the gym. Moama gym opening this week and Moama McDonald's. Two big things coming to Moama this week. Sure. Uh, got out for 30 minutes in the afternoon Tuesday, 4.36ers. Wednesday was 90 minutes before work. Dark, wet. It's not good. People out there listening, people working out early in the morning. It doesn't get light till very late at the moment. And we're even doing like 7K warm-ups because we just can't see the road to start our actual workout. So we've got to keep jogging around. So I'm feeling you. If you're one of those people out there in the darkness at the moment, I get it. Um, this was one of those days, road to London, enjoyed that. Then 30 minutes in the afternoon, Wednesday, 60 minutes Thursday morning, 4.35s, 30 minutes in the afternoon, 4.31s. And then Friday, I did a bit of um, oh, kind of like speed work, not all out speed work, but kind of like that pace, probably 5 to 7K kind of race effort. Did 14 by 500 off a minute walk. Just real blue collar, straight down a road, wait for your watch to beep at 500, wait there for a minute, go back again. Um, average like 128, 129. So kind of like, not all out, but I'm doing a lot of reps at a at a fastish pace without blowing the doors off. So that was some like good honest work. And then at school, we've got this, um, so all the kids at our school, like 550 kids do different fitness rotations every morning before school starts. And our grade three fours, which is where I work, we've been doing um, kilometer club for three weeks. That's like our rotation. So I've got like a 520 concrete track that goes around our like big oval at school. And usually the kids run around for 10, 15 minutes. And then um, us teachers just stand there and just watch the kids. And we got talking last week about what pace. We got heaps of male teachers in our air at school it's really good we got talking about what pace someone could potentially run a lap in and um i got talking to this guy and i said no one can run this in under a minute 30 because i knew that was like three minute k pace and i think it's pretty it's pretty quick if some person who's not into athletics can punch a 500 meter lap of a school oval at three minute k pace so the day after i said that to to jared his name was he rocked up uh bought a backpack unzipped his backpack, pulled out a pair of next percents, put them on, started doing some uh, leg swings. I'm like, you're going to have to like jog a lap, surely. You're going to have to do something here to like warm up. Did no warm up. And then he punched a lap in 132, which I thought was pretty impressive. And then ever since then, a different staff member has just caved under the peer pressure of doing a lap to see how fast they've been able to do it. And um, I'd just slowly been like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Check my old Strava data. I did this in 2015. I don't have to do it. But all the kids were getting into me about having to go. So I took the uh, next percents down also. Did a couple of laps warm up. Did about 1.5k warm up around the oval. And then punched a lap in a minute 23, boys. Just about two, 240k pace. 
in the uh, button-up shirt, the chino shorts, got the new staff course record, um, and I reckon that record's safe. A few other guys are going 134, but um, Jared, 132, is the next best at the moment. Didn't do a hammy, and then um, went in and taught, taught a bit of literacy after that. So that was a, probably not the smartest thing, off the back of like 14, 500s, about 45 minutes earlier, but you just got to do what you got to do sometimes in your workplace when there's peer pressure coming towards you. Imagine him walking into the staff room after that, Moose. Hey, chest, chest pumped out. I wanted to put up a, like a honour board or something in the staff room, a bit of a ladder. The thing it's been is, a while since he's had a race win, hasn't it? Yeah, I've got to take that one. So I uh, did get out for 30 minutes after school, 4.38s, and then I did the podcast with Christian and Toby, what you guys were talking about before, so that was good fun for a Friday night. Saturday, 70 minutes at 4.43s, um, and then Sunday I did 2 hours and 20 minutes at 4.12 pace. Archie and Glenn were there for bits and pieces. Went out bush, pretty much like 95% of it was on dirt. Hit some spider webs. You guys been hitting spider webs? Like, you know, when no. you're in the bush and you just run straight through them? And I hit one and it was like, it was like a dirty one. So like my eyes just saw like blackness and I'm like, I'm going to die. Like I've just ran straight through like a massive like spider here that's now on my face. And I was like swearing and like screaming. The boys were laughing at me. And then um, I figured out it was just a bit of dirty spider web. But that was my week, 170, two or three more of those fellas, and we were going pretty well, I reckon. You, um, are you taking any, like, gels on your long runs? No, I never take gels on long runs unless it's, like, at pace. I saw you pulled one out Bathurst the other week. Yeah, I yeah. sometimes do. Just, like, I figure, uh, well, a few years ago, like, when I was, like, so serious about, you know, trying to break 220, I went through this whole phase of, like, doing fasted long runs. So I would basically just have coffee and not even eat toast beforehand yeah, Andy and does that like i definitely my body got to the point where i could run like two hours 40 like with nothing whereas now like there's no way i'd be able to do it so your body does adapt whether it's actually good for you so i decided to take one in bathurst one because i knew it was going to be my longest run you know since uh i got injured and i'd done a session the day before and maybe it, maybe it means that i pull up a bit better after it so yeah. 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 No, I do when I get – sometimes I'll carry one and I'm like if I feel things are going pear-shaped, I might mm. take it. But, yeah, not not one shorter than two and a half hours. But yeah. I emailed Gold Coast the other day because Gold Coast is only 16 weeks away. So I've got to start getting that long run out if I'm going to run Gold Coast Marathon. I know you said it's a trap moose, but I think I'm going to do it because I don't have any other opportunities to race. Good well, appearance, good appearance fee money. Wasn't too bad, actually, for a hack like me. I was pretty happy with uh, your mate, Ryan McDonald, what he replied. Yeah, right. It's worth, worthwhile going. Don't when just... did you run your 219? That's, yeah, ages ago. Oh, boy. So 2018, I reckon I ran that. Damn. Did I? Was that when me and you were in the Gold Coast? I ran two, two, 220s, though, since then. The resume doesn't look too bad. Oh, I'd say there's a big that's a big marker that two twenty. It is, but I reckon if you get some context, you go, you know, he's he's ran two twenty at Melbourne. That's worth half a minute. But it was twenty four, not twenty. It was it was a little warm. Do you do that too? You're I right. didn't say that. You, no. The resume comes. He asks you for your time. You go two twenty, and then asterisks and go. But it was pretty warm. It was hot. Do you reckon I should have sent my <laughs> sent in my Valencia halfway split? Two twenty, we went through in sixty eight. Come on, had yeah. a really good thirty k, but the last twelve was pretty bad. Got a blister. Anyway, 
So that's what we're doing. Let's thank some Patreon supporters. Pradley, you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, I've got Jack McGaffin this week. Uh, Jack's from Norellan in New South Wales, so it's one of the, like, the western suburbs uh, yeah, western suburbs of Sydney. He ran the 2021 NAB Run West 12K in 52.15 and went through 10K in 43 minutes, which uh, yeah, is his 10K PB according to Strava. And that run, um, did I just mention that 12K, they go through uh, like Sydney Zoo. Um, so that's a pretty cool event. I'm not sure if it's still going or not. He also ran the uh, the Cozzy 50K last year in six hours 50. I think he has a couple of dogs, maybe a kid, and um, possibly been diving with sharks. So thanks for your support, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Ticking all the boxes there, isn't he? Kids, dogs, sharks. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a picture races. on his Strava where it's obviously like a – a video um, where he's obviously been looks like he's been in a cage and yeah they film the shark coming up to the cage and stuff like that. There's just a picture there. No, so you got. Um, I've got. This is a name that needs an. Are you sure you spelt this right, Croaks? Yeah, I cut and pasted it from Patreon. But some, do you know what Brady went in and actually? Um, coloured which patron he was going to have today mm. i went into the notes today and no one was color coded so i just picked my own one the so he just picked, name. He picked his own one <laughs> Can... i do like the norwegian guys though patrons was and i do have to apologize to magnus i said his 5k pb incorrectly last week uh, his pb was like 1454 and i think i said 1554 and he's not happy about it so i'm sorry moose because because when i saw brady had gone in and picked his own i was going to change it so that um, he had okay. to do this one, but yeah. Tell me how to go at it, Moose. You can have a crack at it. I mean, Trig, Trig, Angvog, Anvog, Anvog, Trig, T R Y G V E. Yeah, they need to put an E in there or an I. I don't think a... you can tell people how to do their language. <laughs> yeah, but someone needs to. If it isn't going to be me, who's it going to be? What about, a, the ne- what about the next bit of info, though, Moose? For it's this a muscular oh, yeah, given okay. name, most common in Norway. Let's mo- yeah, yeah, there's some issues. He's, there's some issues here anyway. So, Trygve Anvord, from, he's from Oslo. Wonder, wonder if he's from that real ritzy part that Christian's from. Brady and Toby are the only Australians he follows on Strava. Now, I'm trying to work out the similarities there. One, I mean, they're both 219 guys. So maybe he likes 219 guys. Like he's got a thing for 19. They're both real short kind of dweeby blokes. Maybe that's it. Uh, don't get out much. I get out heaps. I was on a boys weekend last week at the pubs. <laughs> at the pubs. Probably... Oh, I just I think know, he likes our monthly <laughs> show, I reckon. You know? He's a big Road to uh, Valencia fan from back in the yeah. day. They, well, obviously, he's a big fan of the new one. But anyway, he's run 37.26 at the 2021 Oslo Marathon 10K. Has a photo with Henrik Ingebrigtsen. Henrik's the easiest photo to get of those three, I reckon. Or he's like the... Um, he was the trailblazer, though. He's the entry-level Ingebrigtsen. Um <laughs> Think we think he's an investment manager at Arnvord Group and oh well yeah that's his surname so he's probably a partner there. he's probably a founder owner real estate financial and industrial investments damn that's white collar as well isn't it 
Do you know we don't have a lot of plumbers or electricians or yeah. carpenters signing up to this, do we? We never thank a plumber, do we? <laughs> we did. Remember, um, was it Toro? Toro Electrical? Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. He did own his own business, though, didn't he? Yeah. If they're tradies, they got their own business. Yeah. Uh, I've got Ewan Doonan um, from Richmond, Victoria. Estimated best of 1745 at the Phillip Island Park Run in 2018, but may have ran 1646 at the Lilydale Lake Park Run in 2019. He ran 3636 at the 2021 Melbourne 10K. Has been pretty quiet on Strava since October. It appears he was training pretty well for Melbourne 10K, but got sick the week before. Think he also used to do a fair bit of cycling at an elite level. So thanks, Ewan, for your support. Hope you enjoy the bonus content. Hope you enjoy Sinead, Ali, and Nick every Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoy the early release that comes out every Monday night. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the monthly with Toby and Christian, which comes out once a month. And you get early shoe geeks. There's a lot to be liked about being a Patreon supporter. And you can check out all the details at patreon.com forward slash inside running podcast. If you want more, or if you just want to support independent running media here in Australia. If there is one marathon you do this year, really make it count. We're ecstatic to announce that the Sydney Marathon is a candidate race for the prestigious Abbott World Marathon Majors. To help us reach our goal of becoming one of the world's best, we need passionate runners like you to join us on this amazing journey. Incredibly, we're already on our way to our target of 15,000 marathon finishes, with almost 7,000 registered from all over the world. 2023 is set to be the biggest marathon Sydney has ever seen. By securing your spot in the Sydney Marathon, you'll be contributing to our success and helping us to join the ranks of world-renowned marathons such as New York City, London, Boston, Chicago, Berlin and Tokyo. Run over the Sydney Harbour Bridge and pass some of Sydney's most beautiful icons before finishing at the world-famous Sydney Opera House. Grab your mates and register today so we can make history in the best way we know how, together. Running news, boys. I'll kick things off. Sydney Track Classic happened, which incorporated the Australian 3,000-metre championships. Uh, I'll start with Jessica Hull, because this was a big story from this meet. She ran 831.81, which is the Australian record, she took about, oh, I'm going to say four seconds, you'll be able to correct me, Croaks, off her already Australian record. Uh, yeah. Dominant. It was 8.36-ish. Yeah, okay, yeah, yep. four or five seconds. Absolutely dominated the field. She won by 19 seconds with Rose Davies in second, 8.50. Amy Bunnage, the youngster who won Zatapak Kids, under 23K in 8.51.9. Uh, she was in a different league, Nozomi Tanaka, the uh, Japanese princess that Zaka refers to her as was the pacemaker, and she paced her through until about 1,400 metres to go. And it was like a different race. There was Hull out the front hunting the Australian record and everyone else in the next pack, and she absolutely proved why she is probably the greatest Australian distance runner at the moment in those female track races. Thoughts, boys? Put on a clinic. Yeah, it was impressive. Like, I, I really feel like she's turned the corner in the last, oh, like, six weeks because I think we spoke about her at after the World Cross trials. Um, like, I I thought she would win the trial, given it's 2K cross country. Um, I thought she'd, you know, get over the top of Abby Corwell. And being on course, I felt like in that last 
400, like she just didn't look as strong as what you normally expect from Jess. And it was a period where I guess she's getting married as well. But since then, like she was phenomenal at World Cross, like looks so good. And then obviously had a really good 1500 battle with Abby down in Melbourne. And then, you know, is, is clearly back to her best now. So uh, good signs for the rest of the season or international season. Yeah, just ticking the box early. Moose, anything to talk about there? Um, no, I just literally, like, I missed all this because I was away, but I did see the replay of the last 200 just flash up on the screen. Oh, no, sorry. This was the 1500 from the week before in Melbourne. That's my bad. I didn't see any of this. I'm sorry. Two very good races she's put together now, that, that Melbourne and the Sydney one. It's been good, though, seeing her in Australia for so long because, you know, normally she's, you know, based over in the US. So we don't get to see much of her and she's still here until, uh, like, the national champs in a couple of weeks' time where I think she's going to do both the 15 and the 5K. But, uh, yeah, like, she's a fantastic ambassador for the sport. Like, she's always just so bubbly, um, you know, with, with interviews and with – yeah, with kids and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've got a good one there. Yeah, good crowds there as well. It looked like Jude Thomas won the men's race back-to-back, 748.25. Bucks, Ben Buckingham tried to shake him with about six, 800 to go, put the foot down, couldn't quite, and then Jude came over him probably about 120 metres to go around the final bend there and just had that youthful kick away, but Bucks was 748.9. Rory Hunter, your man from ACT Croaks, was third in 749.3. Cameron Myers, the junior, he was fourth. And uh, he, fifth, fifth, fifth was, was he? There was yeah. someone in between, wasn't there? Who was in between? Uh, it was um, Hanson. Hanson, Jimmy Hanson, that's right. Uh, Myers ran 752, and he set the Australian under-18 and under-20 Australian record. He didn't look as good as he did in the... Um, the miles, the 1500s, and yeah, Jude was very impressive out in front, and same with Bucks's kind of strength to do what he had to do there. Do you reckon, do you reckon he needed to do that, Cam Myers? Did he need to race 3K against the Open guys as wow. a 17-year-old? 752 is good, but not 355 mile equivalent. Nah, but I think, like... I think running a 3K as a 16-year-old's not an issue. Yeah, it's not true. certainly not a distance. Oh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah. Like, I would, you know... If he doesn't run it, then he doesn't have the Aussie record. Like, not that, you know, he's he's going to do bigger and better things than these records in the future. But I think, you know, I'd happily take a 752 as a 16-year-old. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the longer the distance, the less, you know, impressive he's going to be given his age, given the volume that he runs and, and just that strength factor um, but he's still quite smart because at one point there, it looked like he was gone, but he has this ability just to know when he's going into the red and he just dials it back a little bit. And he's, But his last 200 was, was lightning. Like, he still came yeah, home really, came really home. strong yeah. compared to the others. Yeah, no one's going to outkick him, are they? So I, I think it was fine that he did it. Yeah. I probably more meant just, like, don't want to see him over-raced. Stuff like that. Be careful. Um, 800 metres, Riley McGowan from the ACT. He won that in 146.08. Charlie Hunter, 146.18 for second. Jack Lunn, 146.4 for third. It was a photo with Brad Mathers, who was just um, just pipped for that third spot in fourth. Abby Caldwell, she uh, smashed the 800. She ran at 158.62. 
which moves her to number two all-time behind Kat Bissett as the Australian record holder. George Griffith was second in 2.5.41. Ali Sanford was third in 2.5.87. Similar to Jess in the 3K, Abby, different league. Although it was only a second and a half, it looked maybe nearly two seconds. It looked longer than that on the footage, like she was in a different lead down that home straight to run her 158.6. Would have been um, interesting to see how she would have went in the 3K, would have she went with Jess at that Australian record pace. But I guess she's got that range that she can step down and still be amazing over 800. Obviously, second fastest all time. Thoughts? Oh, huge, huge run. And... I love that she continues at the 800 like she is, mm. given her age and what it will do for her 1500 as well because of um, the paces they're going to need to run in the 15 now. You're going to have to be a 157, 158, 800 runner to be able to compete. And so her having that type of speed, it, it just bodes well for championship racing in the future. Yeah. Yep. I think it sets her up. Like last year, like she wasn't that well known before Com Games. Like she was well known due to like, you know, the debacle about the selection. And, you know, she hit her straps sort of at the end of last season. Whereas I think she's gone from a surprise packet to she'll establish herself over this next six, eight months as being like on the world stage, like a big hitter. Mm. So she, she's there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Nagoya results, Croaks, Japan. We had a few Australians going around there. Yeah, so I uh, was trying to watch a bit of this while I was looking after the, the kids while Viv was at the horse races. But, um, yeah, Ruth Chepengedich, she basically, from the gun, was just on her own. Um, like, she was a couple of minutes up at halfway. So she faded a little bit compared to what she went through halfway, but she ran 2.18.08 for the victory. Um, Ayuko Suzuki was second in 2.21.52. Hanami Maeda was third in 2.22.32. From the Aussie perspective, um, Izzy Bat-Doyle was the first Aussie in 10th place, running 2.27.54, which um, is a small PB and a world championships qualifier, I believe. Eloise was 18th in 232.08, and Sarah Klein was 24th in 233.51. So Eloise was, um, yeah, like 71, just under, yeah, I think just under 72 through like halfway. So tough, tough second half for, for Eloise there. She went out hard. I think you picked it, didn't you, Croaks? When you're looking at the splits, you're just like, this could end badly for Eloise. Yeah, I just thought, I, I just sensed when I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago, when I asked her how her prep had been and how her fitness compared to when she ran 225 last year, and she was sort of like, oh, it's been a different prep, which, you know, often means, you know, there's been a few interruptions, which she did say that she'd been sick a little bit. And um, where'd she run? Like, Marigami, like, wasn't a great run for you know, an athlete of her caliber. So I thought, oh, you know, she's basically going through halfway faster than what she ran a half a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I thought it was maybe a bit ambitious for where she was at, but, yeah. That qualifying time's 228.00, Moose. Correct? Yeah. uh, Was it 00 or 30? 228.30. Well, it says Izzy just dipped under 
after she uh, carved a six second pe- six seconds off her debut result from Melbourne last year, and I think she just missed it there, didn't she? I reckon she was like one or two seconds yeah. over. Yeah, she should know that move. Ali's got to hit this time. <laughs> but then afterwards, it says in this article from Athletics Australia. Uh, saw her become the sixth Australian female to dip under the World Athletics Championship qualifying standard for Budapest. Mm. Who's got it? Oh, sorry, no, no, I'm thinking Olympics. Yeah, no, the Olympic standard is 226 something. Yeah, sorry, and that's only um, that's only Lisa and Sinead have that one, don't they? Uh, in the period, yeah, because yeah, it, be, it yeah. only opened just before the last November. And, um, yeah, it was a few yeah. weeks before um, Sinead ran. Yeah. Okay, I keep yeah. forgetting Budapest is on. So does that mean, like, who are the six that have the world champs then? Jess, maybe, from Com Games? Yep. Um, yeah, so it'd be... Oh, and maybe yeah. Aloise from Nagoya last year. Yeah, yep. yeah. Here gotcha, in 225 gotcha, gotcha. there. Yeah. Gets a bit confusing. Thoughts on Izzy? She would have been looking for more than a six-second PB, you would have thought. Yeah, I reckon she would have been. I don't... What, she, she split would've... half in Moose? Uh, Crooks? Uh... 73, yeah, 73 something. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I think she probably would have seen Lisa run to 23 a week before and think, yeah, I've got that covered. But smart that she went out. I remember Ali told me the plans before the um, day and she said, Izzy's going with this group. And I'm like, that is that is smart from her. To go and get one another one on the board to learn the marathon like this, I feel like that's what people don't respect anymore. Is that they don't, they don't, they think it's just every ch- chance they get, they go go for the top goal, the big massive swing at it. We go all in, full send, you know, ride or die bullshit. Whereas Izzy's gone, no, let's learn the race a bit more, and clearly because of that positive split, like she played it perfectly. She ran, I think that's, I think she's going to be a really good marathoner, mm. actually. I think she's smart enough and disciplined enough to be good. And I think it also shows that just because, you know, like Izzy, um, you know, beat Sinead in that half a couple of weeks ago and would probably back herself to, you know, at least run what Lisa does over 5 and 10K and, and potentially even half. But the fact that, Lisa's been doing this marathon game and Sinead's been doing it a lot longer. It does take a few marathons to build that strength or even just even just training for a marathon. I think each block you do, you tend to just get that little bit stronger. So, you know, although it was only a small PB, she's heading in the right direction that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the next one, you know, potentially will take a couple of minutes off that for a third one. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no, what, you don't. no, no. I just no. I'm just thinking aloud. What's it mean? Because Jess announced she was pregnant a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, last weekend. Yeah, yeah, then, probably last week. Because they, they still all get another go, don't they? Well, are you talking for world champs? No, nah, I'm talking about Olympics? Olympics. I think well, Olympics, like, they've got like a year basically. When will qualifying close for that? Like March next year. Something like. Well, maybe so she can a, potentially maybe do, in April. She like, can potentially do April. two more. You do a spring one, our spring. And then you go again in autumn. Yeah, there's so still she, plenty of time. She's got time um, to learn it and work on that, getting it down. And it's going to be interesting to see who takes the world championship spots, given that, you know, is it going to be hot? And if it is going to be hot, then, you know, some of these girls that want to make the Olympics probably will forego that 
um, because, it's, you know, in a way it's a bit of a wasted marathon if, you know, they need to run 223, 224. Unless the criteria says... They, they know, finish top 10 or top something. Top 10's guaranteed for the Olympics. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is. A few dynamics here. I don't think any of them will want to do it. Or maybe, like, you'll get someone like Izzy, but then she'll want to run the Olympics. I don't know. World champs is still a world champs. It's yeah. it's still a pretty awesome thing. But these runners are so high caliber. They're not just about collecting singlets, I guess. They want the top. They want to be at the top. They want to go to the Olympics. They want they want to run Australian records. And so going to, what is it, Budapest and running a marathon is probably not, like, high on their priority list. And they also need but, to get paid too, but, which yeah, is that's one true. concept that, that doesn't get hit at um, world champs, unless you've got stuff in, like, your sponsor bonuses and things like that for certain positions. Jess is due in September. If the qualifying is still open in April, she could be going to Paris. It's a pretty tight turnaround. It's doable, but, it's, yeah. I mean, the odds are against her, let's be honest. That means September, October, November, December, it's going to be hard work. Your words, Moose. Want to put a slab on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. I'll Is do some maths afterwards. Shaking hands? No, I just want to look at a calendar, see how things work. Talk to <laughs> my wife, get some female feedback. <laughs> it's uh, hard work. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard work. If anyone can, can do it, Jess can, though. Don't yeah. sleep on Jess. <laughs> I'm not sleeping on Jess. And she comes back with that double mum strength and smashes everyone like she did at the Cobb Games. Our lady marathon is defying physiology <laughs> at the moment. So I'm, <laughs> maybe it is a hard bet. Um, okay, so I guess we'll, that will fi- really fill our content for the next couple of years, talking about who can potentially go to Paris for the female marathoners. But you're looking at Sinead and Elisa. They're in a very good position. We potentially, they could probably go, well, yeah, two, three. Sinead could nearly do three more. You know what I mean? Like she could do, she can get up for London, and then she goes something in September. She's not getting up and then for she London. Goes no, March. I, she ain't getting up for London. She gets, she'll get up for that. You want to slab on that as well? You, yep. You heard her training. I've been listening. I reckon oh. she's fitter off this All training right. than she does running training. That's two slabs. <laughs> we'll see how we one go. You, one you, one you won't get till uh, yeah next year though. <laughs> yeah, it's and a real I'll long take, burn. I'll take the Sinead one. Maybe next week or the week after. You might get that one in six or seven weeks. Um, there was a 10K as well, Croaks. Aragawa yeah. had a smashkin run. Yeah, 26.33 he ran for a 10K in Spain. It was nine seconds off the uh, road world record. Solo after the first K in the rain. Yeah. Was it 13, yeah, 13, 15 through five and 13, 18 for the second five? He did look good at cross, didn't he? Like he came third that day. Yeah. Took down Commodore, or second actually, I think he was second, it was Chapter guy third. Anyway, he was in the top, he was on the medal. Uh, that was good, Box Hill Classic results, Moose, 3K. Yeah, so it's always good at Box Hill, put on a good meet, good viewing, watch this one. Um, I just I got it on just in time. So the 3Kers, which is, we call the 3Kers the main field, main, main race of the night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. So Dale Carroll, he won the race from 8:04. Harry Norman was second in 8:05, and Seth O'Donnell 8:05 as well. So it was a pretty tight finish in the end. 
you hear a little recap from Toby. He was fourth in this race in 8.05, just slower than Seth. The uh, pacing was a bit erratic early. You got Dejan running 400 PB off the off the line. It was about 20 metres in front of everybody. Then it kind of got together. They were on eight-minute pace for a fair bit. Uh, he pulled out, and then the anchor got thrown. And then actually Toby, for those that aren't Patreons and didn't hear the recap, he got to the front and he made the race work again. So he put the put started injecting the pace again and drove the from about four laps out to maybe the last lap. I think it was about that. He was the one driving the pace. And it was good to see sign of strength to be able to do that. And yeah, Dale Carroll, he was the, the fastest in the last two hundred. So he ran to eight oh four. In the ladies, I did not see this. I was I, I was out and about somewhere in Japan. So. Piper Gay won in 9.22. She she beat Madison King, 9.24. Sophie Hall was third in 9.26. In the 15s, Matt Hussey, he knows how to win a race, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, 3.44. He's outkicked Luke Shaw, 3.44.8, so half a second in front. And Jack Anstey was the third in 3.45. In the ladies, Claudia Hollingsworth, part of the... On Athletic Club, 4.19 she won. So is that the first win for that group? I'd say. Well, Bucks won that steeple, but after the announcement maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Georgia Hansen was second in 4.25. So that's a huge win from Claudia Hollingsworth right there. That's massive to beat Georgia Hansen after um, she was sort of contending at the world cross country. And then Lucy Cleveland, third, 4.31, so a bit spread out. Claudia's got the the speed on her though, doesn't she, over Georgia? Georgia's pretty fast. Isn't Claudia like a two two flat two oh one? Yeah, but then this you win by six seconds. That's not like if you're winning a race by six seconds, you're not relying on your pace and your speed. Georgia's ran four eleven for fifteen hundred. Yeah, and I think Georgia, I think Georgia might have been like fourth. Uh, in that 3K in Sydney as well in like, you know, eight, yeah, I reckon lo- she's low just, 850s. I reckon she's jogged around and saved herself for the 3 k mm. Well, what she, why would you do that? Just get some prize money maybe. Oh, they got that on there. They yeah, got prize maybe. Money. I don't know. Um, in the 800s, Jack Atherton won 148. Alex Bedos 148. And DeGrasse and Makata 149. Ladies, Madeline Murray ran 204. Beat Rochelle Kennedy in 207, and Yume Kitamura was 208. We'll also go north for the Queensland State Champs, 800. Ethan Forbes, 152. Sailor Donnelly in 205. And in the 1500, Harvey Cram, 349. Sailor Donnelly backed up, pulled the dot, the double off. She ran 419. So she's run what Claudia's run to win the State Champs up there. Hmm. Doubled. Hadn't heard of her before either. No, I hadn't either. Sailor Donnelly. We'll keep an eye on that name. Denot? No, Donnelly. Donnelly. Yeah, what did I say? Denolly. Double L through me. That's not the traditional way to spell Donnelly, though. No, but it's how you pronounce it, I'm guessing. Or Sailor. Anyway, uh, listen to question, Crooks. 
All right, so this week's training talk is sponsored by the Sydney Marathon. Join them this September in their bid to become an Abbott World Marathon major. Learn more at sydneymarathon.com. It features an all-new marathon course, is Australia's fastest marathon with a record of 2.07.03 set last year, new extended cutoff time of seven hours, increased on-course entertainment, and opportunity for runners to go into the draw to win Abbott World Marathon major tickets. So the question that we have comes in from Daniel Hocking, and it's a good one, um, especially given that they want to get 15,000 people across the finish line at the marathon. means a lot of people will be doing their first marathon. So when you're doing your first marathon, how do you know what paces to run work at and the marathon at? Good question. It's a good question that doesn't have a definitive answer. Mm. Any um, broad sort of uh, like rough rough estimates based on something else that they've run? What do you reckon? I, th- I think you can you can lo- look at what they're doing for their different distances. We so f- first off, like no one trains for a marathon without doing any other type of distance. So you've got someone's form, you've got their experience, and you you've got like race results so we know where they're at what sort of level of runner they're at then you can you get to know what sort of athlete they are like if you give them 400s or if you're doing 400s and they they're always feel easy and that's the easiest session you can be given but if you get a threshold workout or a longer tempo and that's the hardest session you've been given chances are you're probably more anaerobic type athlete and so maybe the calculations are going to be different for the person that cannot get to pace for those 400s and they're terrible for them, but they can run all day at like a steady pace. So there's there's no right calculation here. And those, like, I don't think those calculators are a bad thing. I know you adore them, Brady, but... I've got it open now, Moose. When I saw this question, I thought I'll just go to Command-T, new tab, and just start playing around some numbers. I think they're a good place to just like for ballpark but there's a lot of factors that you need to take into consideration like as you said moose like what type of athlete are they um given it if it's your first i would always err on the side of caution um and run probably a little bit slower than what the calculators say and you also got to look at how many miles they run a week somebody that's actually training like decent volume they're probably going to be a lot stronger than somebody that's only running 50k a week and so the people that are running more volume are probably going to be a better correlation to the, from the half to the marathon than somebody that's not doing the volume. They're good until you get to the marathon, the calculators. Like, <clears throat> I put my times in and it's pretty much identical to what I've ran 5, 10, 15, half marathon. Yep. I think the calculators over the shorter distances do a good job. So you're kind of saying, like, I think it's good. If you're 10 weeks out from a marathon your point there, Moose, is it's good to do a 10K or a half marathon or something to get a bit of data about exactly where your fitness is at and then try to understand yourself as an athlete about which sessions are hard to hit for you, are they the speed ones or the longer longer workouts, to then try and get a bit of data around. Well, then if you do put that result into the calculator, the marathon, um, I think, yeah, as you said, Croak's going slower, is going to be faster better than faster in every single situation yeah and also i think you know the way that most people train for the marathon now in that last 10 weeks have have you know 
long runs slash sessions. So they'll do a long run and then they'll throw some marathon pace stuff on at the end of the long run. You know, you use the calculator as a bit of a ballpark going, okay, this is what we think roughly will be your marathon pace. And then you go out and try and do that first marathon specific session. And if people are struggling to hit those paces and to feel like it's an all out effort, then you know that that's not your marathon pace. So then you can reassess during that training block before you actually get to the marathon based on how those marathon sessions feels feel the percentage of marathon pace is really good as well so like you can do that so like for example if you run a half marathon you can put in the calculators it's then going to spit out a pace mathematically that it's saying you should run a marathon at then you can use that pace to work out 90 percent. do some workout do some long workouts at 90 and see how it feels and then do some long workouts at 95 percent and see how it feels you're going to get some really good data there to be like, no, no, this isn't achievable or this is too easy. I need to kind of up it a bit. That's it's, it's a guessing game, though. It's a guessing game for you. And we always say you don't know what your marathon pace is until you finish your marathon. And that's, But that's, I think, the value of those marathon-specific sessions is because you'll get the feedback pretty early on in the marathon block as to is that actually realistic for the marathon. Because I've had guys that will nail – like shorter reps and you know 30 minute sessions but you get them to do like three or four k at marathon pace after they've run for two hours and it's the hardest thing ever for them yeah. and you go well that's well, then we need to slow your marathon pace stuff down because you're not capable of running your marathon at that pace mm. i think that point about doing stuff on tired legs is really important because even say like if you do four by four k's you're still only getting the feeling of what it feels like 20k into your race not what it feels like post 30k yeah which that's the hard feeling to replicate and you don't want to do too much of that because then you're you're burning your race before you get there anything else moose super coach you're good at this stuff not really i mean you find out your marathon pace about one second after you cross the line <laughs> won't you? that's when you'll know and then you'll know for next time so the first one is always a little bit of a trial because you just never know and even then things change so i, I don't as you get more experienced, you'll learn to understand the feel. But being your debut marathon, you don't know what it's supposed to feel like yet. Yeah. So that's the trickiest bit with all of this. That's the beauty of it. That's the magic of the debut. You yeah. don't know. Well, I think we've all – well, I stuffed up my first one. and um, yeah. 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 So, But I think the key, you know, is if it's your first one, you want to get through at least 30K feeling quite – comfortable and actually enjoying it so you know if you get to 10k and you're like oh i feel like i'm working a bit hard like slow down um yeah yeah there's not many examples of people who nail the first one there's a few but not many jeff hunt jeff hunt Andy 211 on, 211 on debut and never ran faster yeah jack rayner what did he run he was pretty good yeah, he was 211 low yeah did he yep. dnf before he did that one though which one did he oh, DNS? Or did he DNS? Yeah, I reckon I could be, maybe I could it was uh, Robbo that DNF'd. Robbo yeah. definitely DNF'd Fukuoka. Yeah. DNF counts as your debut as well. I don't care what anyone says. If you no DNF, one... that doesn't count. That that definitely counts as your first go. There's no one. There's no one arguing that with you. No, people argue it all the time. No, they I've don't. heard people talk about it. Yeah, first finished one. Yeah, no, they don't. No. You'll see it on Let's Run. I reckon Moose. Anyway, Moose on the loose. Oh, uh, I mean, I could go at I could go at Jetstar. 
that's been pretty rough. You already have. Give us something new. Yeah. What about uh, what about hotel gyms? How have if you spent a bit of time in hotel gyms running on the treadmill? Mm, occasionally, try to avoid them as much as possible. Yeah. You did, on the, you did it at the Gold Coast last year, Brady. Yeah. Didn't you jump on the treadmill? Yeah, it was raining, so I got on the treadmill to test it out. It wasn't too bad. So when you walk, so when you walk in there, like you walk in, what what are you thinking? What's in your head as you walk in? Is the treadmill the free? How much is am I going to sweat free? in here? Yeah. Um, what's the is the TV turned on? Like hotel gyms are a lot different than like gym gyms because when, right. when you go into the gym, like everyone's muscly, people in like string singlets, someone's going to fight you. Like you feel out of place in those. Whereas a hotel gym, I feel more in place than a, a gym gym. If is it appropriate to take your shirt off in the gym on the treadmill? If you're the only person in there, yes. But you could be the only person, and then two minutes later, someone comes in. Do you mm. put your shirt back on? I probably would if that was me on the treadmill. Really? Yeah. I'd be. I'd probably be okay with having my shirt off. Would you take it off if there were other people in there? Uh, I just think it's a bit disrespectful. Well, like people just trying to work out in the gym, they don't need to look at you with your shirt off. Well, how's it any different running along the street with your shirt off? Because yeah. they they got options. Go on the other side of the footpath. <laughs> well, they're stuck no. in there with you, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're putting them in an awkward situation that they shouldn't have to be in, especially in your rig. I reckon it's probably better than like what about the the people like you have that massive sweat patch on your singlet. I reckon that looks worse than just bare skin. I just I just think you just you just on that line of nudity that you don't need to be in. What do you Jim, think, Moose? I reckon you'd be okay. Like with he'd walk in with his shirt off. He wouldn't even take a singlet in there. What shirt? <laughs> nah, I kept it on. Like I walked in, there was a lady doing crunches. Like it was a pretty tight gym. And so behind the treddy, that's where the core section was, and it was pretty close behind. And then I get up there, and I'm running like 15K an hour. This I'd come from outside, so I was already profusely sweating. And so all of a sudden, like, sweat's flying everywhere. And I'm sure this lady's copping it because it's coming off the back of my legs and spraying up at her. But what are you going to do? Not go on the treadmill? That's what it's for. But as soon as they did leave, I took the treddy off. I took the top off straight away. Yeah. Well, I reckon then, I would be more inclined. So I would probably leave my shirt on, but I would make sure that I've taken a towel with me so that I could just constantly just wipe myself down because, um, yeah, I reckon there's nothing worse than that feeling of just sweat going everywhere when you're running, whereas, you know, towel yourself down every now and then, it helps. Yeah, I mean, toweling yourself down for sure. You need a towel there. But the, the, one of the problems was I toweled myself down, so my towel's full sweat now. So like so, sopping wet. I finish the workout and get off, go looking for spray to clean the treddy because it was soaking. Not a single like towel or paper towel or anything, no spray, no wipes to clean up with in there. How bad's that? How gross is that? Yeah, that's not very good. You, you wouldn't all? do that just in, like, the normal Torquay gym, though, would you? Anglesey, where do you live? Areas in Anglesey. Like, you can't just go into those gyms and take your shirt off. Oh, you, I, I go to the footy club gym and, and um, no, there's no – I wouldn't yeah, take you're your not, shirt you're off. Not to wear, you're not allowed to wear a shirt at the footy, <laughs> footy yeah, club those gym. Boys, those boys have actual muscles. 
no, I, I, I wouldn't. I would there. I would take it off there. I wouldn't take it off at the RACV resort that I used to go to. I feel like that would get frowned upon because that's like a full old person, like white college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I reckon if I went to one of those like Derrimut 24-7, like the full-on like Gold's Gym setup, I'm definitely taking my shirt off there. Because those guys, like those big bodybuilders roll along in the, the full-on low cut. Yeah, like string. What do they call Yeah, they call string them string. or something, yeah. Yeah. We'll do a poll so, on our Instagram. Not a, it's not I want to know, what the, actually, I want to know what the listeners think. I'm for it yeah. in there. Because I'm thinking now, like, if, if I went to the corporate gym here in Canberra, I wouldn't take my shirt off. But if I was at, like, a hotel gym, maybe I would. Mm. Or I wouldn't I wouldn't care about it as much. But, right. yeah, it's in, yeah, it's an interesting question. But then, you know, you run down, the, you run down like, Cavalab on the Gold Coast, you're out on a run and you don't have a shirt on. Do you care? Yeah, but socially acceptable to do that, though. You know what I mean? You're going to see more people with their shirt off than on on Cavalab. Even if they're just yeah. walking, the beach is just there, croaks. Well, any out, any outdoor, like any time you go for a run outside, if it's hot, you know, yeah, you run with your shirt off. It doesn't need to be Cavalab, but. Around yeah. the tan? Around the tan in it's Melbourne. It's still not... going to be pretty hot to take your shirt off. No, it doesn't. If you're in a public <laughs> spot, if you're in a public spot, if you're just going on the trails in Moama or Anglesey or whatever, you're not going to see many people, you can have it off. I think I it's about be a that lot public of, nudity. I, I reckon there'd be a lot one. of athletes. People would get offended if you're running around the tan on 22 degrees with your shirt off. There'd be a heap of athletes that run around there with their shirts off around mm, the tan. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a country boy, haven't been exposed to this stuff. Well, next next question. Sorry. Do you, reckon, do you reckon some of the MTC boys roll around the tan with their shirt off? Not yes. unless it's really hot. I reckon yes. they would. I'm sure they would. On, a, on an easy jog or a workout? Uh, well, both. Or, or say long, like long run. Doesn't so get that hot in Melbourne. They're doing a long run down in Melbourne on the bike paths in St Kilda or whatever. MTC boys have their shirts off. Yes nah, or no? I, I saw Brett Robinson's Instagram video the other day. He had a single on. Right. I reckon some of them would. Work out. Mm. All right. Is having a shirt off as a male the same as wearing just a crop top as a female? We, can we have the same conversation if about females in crop tops, not with singlets or T-shirts on, as we're having right now? No. No, because like crop tops, crop tops is what they race in as well. You don't see guys racing without singlets on. I think crop tops are more socially accepted than blokes with singlets off. Yeah, but it's the same thing. No, it's not. One's got way more fabric than the other one. So what's Especially, like, have you seen how low Andy Buchanan wears his shorts? Oh, it's disgusting. Like, that's just that creeping down real low. Like, you know what? He's a teacher. That shit should be fucking nothing, followed up on. Nothing's above his belly button, whereas the girls have the crop top. So, But you're saying, so if a man just covers his breast area... That's okay. Like, that's different. Bit of Nick Earl style, you reckon? But, no, but you're saying that there's something about, like, the male breast. Well, I don't area. know where we're going with this conversation. <laughs> I want to go to bed. It's, it's late on a Monday night. I feel like we're going to get cancelled the way this conversation is going. I think you're just keeping digging, trying to get something controversial out of me here, Moose. Folks, what do you it's think? It's an odd take from you. <laughs> I, I don't have an issue with guys running with their shirts off. And I think running with a crop top. For a female is fine. No one has issues with girls with their with a crop top. 
People have but issues with guys with their shirts. That's what off. I'm saying. Why is it different? Because you can see more skin you with the man. It's skin. It's not. A, it's not like. What happens if you got a real sloppy chest? rig? What happens if you got a real sloppy rig? You're getting around the tan, and people just want to be walking their dogs, just enjoying a bit of exercise, and they have got to put up with that. Why does it matter if it's sloppy? Yeah. Then like, that guy's got good self-esteem. People just want yeah. to enjoy their walk around the town. I, it uplifts me to see someone who's who's got yeah. like a non-traditional, we'll say, tight yeah. running rig. Oh no, my yeah. rigs. People won't don't want to see my rig because you can see my ribs. People will be telling me to put a singlet on. I'm not Brady, saying. I never realised you're so conservative. Here. Really backtracking here. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm like, if you got a skinny rig, put a singlet on. If you got a bit overweight rig, put a singlet on. Do you want me to ask Viv? Do you want me to ask Viv whether she thinks it's okay for guys to run with their shirt off? Yeah, in, She's just here on the couch. In highly populated areas. Yeah, I'll ask her. So, yeah, Yerriby Pond. Is it okay for guys to run with their shirt off around Yerriby Pond? If it's 22 degrees. Do you get offended by that? She doesn't get offended by that. What happens if they've got sloppy rigs? Ask her that bit. What if they've got sloppy rigs? Is it still okay? She's laughing. Yeah. She's not happy with that. Each to their own, she said. I, just don't, I don't like that you've uh, <laughs> you've said that the, like women can do it, but men can't, Brady. I don't think I don't think it's the same thing. I, I don't understand why you why it would be a, like why it's a big deal of the chest thing. I just think it's unnecessary to have your kid off if it's not that that hot. What's it? What's necessary? Falls Creek show? is a real good example. It's like sixteen degrees up there, and everyone just takes their singlet off every run. Yeah, so? Yeah, just just put it away, guys. I don't know. Don't you notice, though, the cooling is like, if it's hot, like, I cool so much better, like, with no shirt on. Oh. All it does is get, like, hold all your sweat. It make, gets heavy and causes chafe. It's really insecure from you coming from you. Get extra heat gains with the singlet on. Hmm. Real conservative type, Brady. Yeah, yeah I don't I like it. Don't like this side of him. Too yeah, much boss. time up. Too much time in Moama with uh, Archie Reid. Um, it's the, rare anyone was... pulls a singlet off up here. It's like 40 degrees every day. Anyway, what's Good coming chat. up, boys? Good chat. Went around in circles, but I think we got there. What's coming uh, up, Bradley? What are you doing? Not much from me. Um, I was trying to think in putting in the what's coming up. Any big races this in the next seven days? I couldn't really think of any. When's, anything that's coming up this weekend. When's Queensland Track Classic? Uh, it's in like two weeks. Okay. And then Nationals is in three weeks. Run for the kids is Sunday. Okay. You never know who's going to rock up there, though. Toby's racing the bad boy. He might win it, Moose. He, he, he'd he be more primed for this than he would a 3K. Yeah. Archie and Nathan running. They're both running well, but not 8.05 3K well. But it's not a 3K race. But as you said, further distance will suit Toby. You lost your boy to... MTC. He spent a bit of time in Melbourne jumping in with those boys, which is good what's for him. He, what's he doing down there? Open a burger store. Open at a burger store in Melbourne, you reckon? No, nah, he's just spending some time down there. His um, his sister's moved down there, so he's got a bit of accommodation. She's doing uni down there. So it's a worry croaks. Got he's losing, losing the grip on the boy. As long yeah, as, well, as long as he's in the bat singlet on a um, on a Jales Park Carrillo winter season, I'll be happy. It's either MTC sessions or sessions with Andy Buchanan. There's not a lot of Brady love anymore. Yeah, I train too early in the morning for him. It's a too, too blue-collar for me at the moment. But no, he's going well. He could be up there on the podium. William Adams just usually you and Nate Stoke then, is it? You, you're training with Nate Stoke? No, Nate Stoke lives in Cobram. He lives like 90 minutes away. People think if anyone lives on the Murray River, they all just live in the same town. 
The amount of people that have hit me up and they're like, hey, mate, I'm in Albury on the weekend. We should go for a run. You're like, it's 300 k's away. Like, it's easy for me to drive to Melbourne. It's probably worth driving 300 to get out of Albury. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Moose, what are you doing? Training camp. Training camp, 20k on um, Monday. That's when you know he's training the oh, croaks. Yeah. That's a great way to start a week. Get the easy k's up early in the week. All right, uh, road to London Wednesday. See you, boys. Enjoy your week. See you, guys. See ya. See ya. The all-new Sydney Marathon is Australia's marathon. So join us at the start line this year for an event you'll never forget. Register now at sydneymarathon.com. Doesn't matter if it don't come back.